wheat volatility is riding high. And the cattle price won't slide. We wonder what's going to happen next. Smart money's buying sheep. Your advice comes pretty cheap. Why don't you ask what we can do? Just the two of us. Making podcasts on the fly. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. us. Just, Just the two, two of us. us. You and you I. And I. Well, here we are again, and we've got no guest to introduce us, Andrew. So we don't know what to do with an intro these days. So just the two of us. It is. I didn't. Did you see? We're both in. We're both in Perth, obviously, last week for the WAF conference, which was enjoyable. But I stayed on for the weekend. Did you see? Um, there was a little bit of a attempt at singing. I saw uh, that at a, at a local establishment uh, down at Elizabeth Key. Um. But very different times in Perth. You went singing Elizabeth Key, and I went to a, a rave <laughs> on Friday night after the Wolf Conference till four a.m. So um, it wasn't. Diff- I wasn't different, singing different, different age groups. Uh, yeah, well, I wasn't singing just the two of us. But um, I was, you I was, know, I was a doof 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 doof. And the news travels fast. Um, you know, they obviously <laughs> must have recognised one of the egg watchers in the audience and asked me to come up and do a bit of a spot of. Singing, singing. <laughs> it happens. It was a bit, bit pitchy, but I didn't get anything thrown at me. So you know, we've been on the road a fair bit. We were mm. supposed to have a special guest today, but they cancelled last minute. So yep, we'll try and get them in in April. One of mm-hmm. the young sheep producers. Yep. Um. So I thought we'd just do a quick. What's around the grounds? What's happening? Uh, like I said, we've been travelling a lot. Mm-hmm. I was, I was at the Gold Coast last week on Monday at the Summer Grains Conference, talking about the risks to agriculture on a global basis. And then... Abares just before that. Abares before, before that. before yeah. that. And then um, the WAF Conference, or WA Farmers Conference on Friday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple of weeks. You're, you're away next week. Yep. Back to West Australia for the WA Feedlotters Association Conference. All right. So... So yeah, what's happening in the old livestock markets? We'll talk about them first, or do you want to talk about grains? I talk about grains. Uh, we usually do that, can... don't we? Yeah. We usually talk about well, livestock I'm... first, and then grains. But if, maybe if we talk about livestock last, then people are more inclined to listen to the rest of the podcast to get to mm. Mm. You know? Not presently with the market under the pressure it's under. I think they'll probably just switch off. They don't want to hear about all the bad news, all the doom and gloom. Well, let's talk about let's talk about grains. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff that's happened in the last week. <clears throat> and the biggest thing was the uh, the Russian stroke Ukrainian stroke Turkish stroke UN agreement to allow the export of grains from Ukraine for two months. Well, it's, it was supposed to be 120 days, but it's looking like 60 days. Ukraine saying the agreement is for 120 days. Russia saying for 60 days. And then it's 60 days, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's hard to see any other way. Mm. And they're basically saying unless sanctions are softened against Russia, it's 60 days. So it's going to mean that, you know, we're going to have a bit of uncertainty in six, 60 days time instead of what we've had in the last two terms, 120 days. So that's going to be, you know, an interesting one. Like one of the things that Russia has been saying, which is interesting, is that uh, they've been complaining that most of the grain's not going to the developing world. The reality is, for many commodities, it, 
most of the exports have been going to the developing world. But the reality is even if it's not going to the developing world, it puts supply onto the marketplace, which depresses prices. So that's a bit of a furphy from Russia. Uh, but I think it'll be a bit more uncertainty for the next 60, well, in 60 days time. Uh, but they have done a good job of exporting like 25 million tons of grains since that on over the sea, uh, since it started. So, how does that how does that compare to what they were doing for the same time frame prior to you know all the issues around the invasion and getting grown out? Is that is that a reasonable as, uh, as, as you know, level? I don't, I don't make up unlike others. I don't make up stats on the spot. Uh, but all I can say is that it's substantially less than they would normally mm. export. Mm. Uh, but it's still a good lick considering that they're under the, the shadow of conflict. So, uh, And the other one is probably an interesting one, not a huge amount of impact currently, but it's something that, you know, policymakers should be aware of, maybe crop life, um, is that Argentina legalized the cultivation of, or commercial cultivation of GMO wheat, HB4 to be precise, uh, drought tolerant wheat in Argentina. There was a lot of concern for or queries a couple of years ago, about would the market accept it? And then Brazil, uh, they approved imports of Argentinian wheat. They're a big importer of Argentinian wheat. And uh, so, so there was a market for it, clearly. And now in the last couple of weeks, uh, Brazil has legislated that uh, GMO wheat can be grown in Brazil, not just imported. But also in the last two days, Indonesia has come out and said, oh, we'll accept uh, GMO wheat as well. So that's a, that's a big thing because we've sort of seen uh, Indonesia has become such a big importer of grains, of wheats particularly, in the last you know 10 years, 20 years. And so you know, this shows that they're, you know, being quite flexible in what they'll accept. So we have seen in the past, when we have a drought, they do switch to Argentina and Ukraine. We're clearly the closer country. So they tend to keep using us when they can. And uh, I think it's just a debate that will be happening is do Australian farmers want it? There's pros and cons. We don't yet really know what is the market for it. What's the price difference? Uh, you know, and the other concern I've got is if you suddenly add huge productivity gains around the world, so basically drought is alleviated to a large extent or substantially, then you're going to have a lot more supply in the marketplace. And demand only goes up in a linear fashion. But if you have mm. these quantum leaps in supply hitting the market, then that's where you're going to have an issue where the market just stays depressed. So we don't want supply and demand balance running out of tick and the only other the other thing that we've seen is that globally wheat prices have come under a lot of pressure uh, in the last sort of two months or so but locally in australia they've sort of stayed flat but that's not quite the same for canola canola has been absolutely smashed in canada and france and our prices are pretty much following in line with what's happened overseas so we've seen you know across large parts of australia you know 100 plus dollars a ton fall from our much. from our from our perspective, though, the, the say the basis for canola when the offshore pricing was going up for canola, we did see that flow through to the Australian price to, more so more so than what we saw for wheat. So, like you know, we nah, know that nah. the the basis for wheat nah. got went significantly nah. negative, right? Nah. 
basis of canola went significantly negative as well. Did it as well. So so did so That's did a similar why thing. you're the yeah. livestock analyst. Mm-hmm. And I'm the grains analyst. I'm just look as we do on the podcast a lot, Andrew. We sometimes pretend like we don't know the answer, right? And we ask the oh, guests the questions. No, no, yeah. Good one. Uh, anyway, I'll get back to reality. Uh, reality is that canola basis has been negative for a long time, and what we're seeing is it's probably it didn't follow up when the rest of the world followed up because we had big crops, record crops. But now it seems to be actually, if we look just at the last month especially, it's really followed almost on a one-for-one basis, which isn't too bad. Uh, but I think there's going to be a lot of concerned farmers, but there's good prices on offer for most of the last 12 months. So I'm surprised if there'll be, you know, people had the opportunity to take. At least with the grain and, and oil seed price coming off globally and domestically, but at least we're also seeing input pricing like for fertilizer coming off globally, at least. That's true. That's a good good segue. I, wasn't, I forgot about fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Don't want to talk about fertilizer too much because we don't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've seen is the urea market has fallen substantially. We've seen uh, that market, you know, coming back down to in Aussie, we're hearing in anecdotally, and that's all we can do is talk anecdotally because there's no pr- transparent pricing. But six hundred and fifty to seven hundred dollars a ton at port, uh, which is about two hundred dollars, maybe one hundred fifty, two hundred dollars above uh, our fair value model, which is probably an appropriate level because that's your margins, finance costs, bit of bit of additional logistics, quarantine, whatever. So one hundred and fifty dollars above. The fair value model is where we think it should be, and that's where it currently is. So, good job, fertilizer importers. You, mm. know, you know, kudos to you guys. Responding, responding to the market to, to movements. The market. And, and yeah. uh, it has taken about six months for those prices to fall through uh, in Australia. But you know, sometimes it takes time. Yeah, uh, yeah. From an endpoint point of view, that an interesting story I think as well is FBN. Mm. So FBN Farm Business Network, huge. I don't know if you call them an ag tech, but they've kind of penciled themselves as an ag tech. Uh, but they're got a lot of money in the US, big investments into them. Um, basically a chemical retailer, you know, ag input retailer, but using a bit of an Amazon model, you know, direct from port to customers as opposed to having, you know, elders, nutrient, Delta Ag, AWN retail locations so it was they were trying a new model in australia but it looks like uh, they've packed up and heading back to uh to the us as the proclaimers would say you know a letter from america arrived in the post for the fbn staff mm. so, you know so but i mean is it is it so much that the model didn't work for australia or is it more that they've got some domestic issues in the us that are Causing them grief. There's some rumors abound, hmm. but I think at the end of the day, uh, that kind of model was going to take a long time to adopt, especially when you're starting from complete greenfield. Hmm. But it's a model that I think we're going to see eventually anyway, or it's a variation of that model, whether it's through the, the stalwarts that we've got at the moment or someone new, it'll be harder for somebody new. But I think, you know, we're we need to work on cutting costs and direct modeling is <clears throat> something Amazon's done pretty well. Uh, 
we shall see. But mm. it looks like in Australia it won't be FBN doing that. So I guess uh, we had them on as uh, one of our guests in the coming weeks. Uh, I guess we don't need to anymore. Mm. Take them off the list. Take them off the list. Mm. So oh, well. is it time? Is it time to set up an Ag Watchers online store to bring in chemicals and fertilizer and that kind of stuff? Ag, uh, Ag Watchers uh, brand. Uh, I think it would be more appropriate for us to set up an Ag Watchers only fans account. <laughs> Where, where we just talk in my dulcet bones tones. I, I have noticed on oh, your... Hello there. How are you doing, uh, darling? I have, I have noticed would on you your... Like, would you like to see my feet? Your message bank, your on your message bank, when you go to leave a message on your phone, yeah. I've noticed that the accent's a little bit stronger than what it is in real life. Is it? Yeah, it sounds a little bit like it. I just get the impression that it sounds a bit like... I kept thinking oh, it's Sean Connery that's left a message on your behalf. I'll have to go back and try and see if I can make it even more Scottish. Hello there, <clears> darling. <throat> Leave your message after the tone and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. That's, a, that's I, bad, it sounds. I'm here to fix the plumbing. <laughs> we better move on to livestock quickly. Right then. Um, so it's an interesting one because we've seen the is price it? continue to slide. Is it? Is it? Mm -hmm. well, it is. I think well, I'll be the judge of that, whether it's interesting mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. Interesting to me anyway because wow. um, well, <clears throat> I still think the cattle market across the board is somewhat undervalued. But And we are seeing just now that the pricing declines have been less and less over the last few weeks. So I think it seems like it's losing momentum on this downward probe. Um, so I suspect, you know, and if you look internationally where some of the, like the US are continuing to see strong pricing, um, you know, the discount pretty much for heavy steer to US equivalent is back to, you know, normal levels, I guess you'd say. Um, but if you looked at the overall kind of annual situation for where our slaughter sitting now and what's going on in the US, I'd even suggest that it's a little bit undervalued. So I'm still thinking we might see a bit of a pickup in cattle markets. Not, not, not to say it's going to rally significantly back to, you know, Crazy levels because I think the restocking activity is definitely um, taking some of the heat out of the market now. But um, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the market kind of grind higher into the middle of the year. But we'll just have to wait and see when it starts to turn. Um, sheep sector has been also under a bit, a bit of pressure. And that one, if you look at, if you look at beef exports, um, that market is improving, but it's still under average, like in terms of the normal flow. So you can say, well, demand's not as strong as what it has been. Um, you know, if you go back a few years and the supply is increasing, so it's probably a reason why the, the cattle market pricing's come off. When you look in the sheep and lamb side, you can see that the export market, particularly since the start of this year, has actually picked up a bit. China's had the two strongest months for mutton exports on record, January, February, uh, in terms of full is volumes. Is that because they're opening up? Yeah, I think so. The last quarter of 2022. More, more yeah. stews and whatnot. That's it. Yeah, the last quarter of 2022, they they were still in that COVID zero kind of space, and it affected imports. But but now they've they've kind of you know, relaxed that scenario. So we saw a, a booming January February, and and um, it hasn't translated necessarily through to supportive pricing, uh, for, particularly for mutton, and then flowing through to say lamb, because lamb exports are pretty much bang on the averages. Um, so you know. Beef exports still under average, but lamb's trekking along okay. But mutton's, you know, mutton's cheap, so we should see it is a force increase. 
Yeah, that well, it is. It, it started to slide last low, year. Low, low prices are cure for low prices, mm. and that's what we should be seeing. And we are seeing this week. We've seen a bit of an increase across the kind of categories of lamb and mutton uh, in the eastern states. Um, I should specify in the eastern states because the west they're still struggling. Um, and I think you know, it's not as strong as what the exports would 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 have you um, think it would be. Uh, and part of that is because we've also seen this since the start of 2023, we've seen much more um, sale yard throughput and slaughters both increase as well. So I think it's one of those things where demand is still kicking along pretty strong for sheep meat globally, but um, producers are, have started kind of offloading a few more this year, uh, particularly or taking them to the sale yard this year. Um, so that has kind of counter counter kind of weighted against the demand, and so that's why we're seeing prices easing. Um, but it looks like just this last week now, yardings are starting to head 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 lower again. So I think it could be the same scenario for sheep and lamb that we might see a little bit of a, a a grind higher now as we head towards the middle of the year. So I'm kind of I'd be buying I'd be buying these dips on both you know whether it's cattle or sheep and lamb I'd be looking to buy at these levels I think they're some good opportunities presently if um if you've got you know a bit of space and some some grass still and a bit of water I'd, I'd be looking to see what you could do with it. The big sort of talking point though is live export at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it is. Oh, shit. It is. Yeah, and that's been something that was, that was obviously a huge talking point when we were in uh, in WA. Yes, it was, and I think there's some concerns, you know, obviously around the, you know, the, the policy decision to to continue with the phase out from the Labor government. They've appointed that three person panel plus the chair to pursue that. Um, but I mean, the, the net result has been for the WA farmer that, uh, you know, if you look at the relative pricing of the west to the east, um, you can see that. The, the, the discount has continued to widen ever since the moratorium came in in 2018. It's been pretty much one way, one way direction for for pricing spreads, and that and that in saying that, I'm saying that the western spreads have been getting more and more discounted as we go through, um, and as the live live sheep export volumes diminish, those um, those spreads have continued to go further and further discount as well, just because this lack of I guess lack of Competition and demand, uh, and 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 limited processing capacity, um, and it's you know, it's not so much. I'm not suggesting the processes are having a lend and just stitching up the WA farmer. I think the processes are at their their own maximum in terms of what they can take, both in terms of plant space and in terms of labour. Um, so they can't they can't just keep taking animals, and therefore normally in a in a, in a proper functioning market with live export running at 100 percent the live exporters will be there to take the slack and therefore you don't have this oversupply whereas that's not the case presently and so it's playing out in as we know if there's too much supply mate the price comes off and that's why the wa market's so discounted so we'll have to work on some way to increase support the support the processing sector to be able to cope in wa or or don't turn off the live export um demand Mm. But I think they've made their decision. It's Absolutely. Pretty, it's pretty clear. So it's a case of working now to work on what it is there. But that's above our pay grade. We're just the it is. lowly no, analysts. Well, yeah. you know? We don't you know, We don't always get to have a say, do we, in that space? You know? no, we just uh, held back and we just, we've done work in the past. And at the end of the day, there's other people out there who are paid big bucks to support 
other industry. Mm. Where's there to provide the data? The other mm-hmm. one, actually, we'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. Although I've noticed this has probably gone on longer than I thought, but that always happens. Is uh, carbon. Oh, yes. That's the big one. Actually, we should have led with that. Should have, probably. And that was a really good mm. podcast last week with uh, Fiona. It was, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. And I had a lot of good feedback on that one, as, 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 as all of our podcasts get, apart from the ones that are just the two of us. We get no feedback mm-hmm. on them. No. Um, apart from the singing. People say how much they enjoy the singing. I love it. Um, yeah. But what I was saying was uh, like I, I added a few slides into both my presentations, one in mm-hmm. and the one at the – What's it called? Summer Greens Conference. Yep, a bit of a teaser. A bit of a teaser, you know, and mm-hmm. feedback was feedback was good. Um, Wait, what's your? Not a teaser of you in your um, speedos, no, but not a, Matt, a teaser. Not yeah. Well, Matt, you know, after you've been sending pictures of me and my speedos around to journalists, <laughs> that's uh, that's another inappropriate thing. Is that like when you take footage of someone doing a gym workout without permission and sending it out as well? Is that that kind of an indiscretion? Well, I think you know somebody last year suggested that we do an AgWatch's naked calendar. So, We're just going to get into shape, don't we? Or well, I have to get into shape. We should rephrase that. Yeah. Rephrase that, yeah. Yeah. Well, mm. I was in the gym today. Anyway, mm. carbon. Mm. Uh, we're going on a tangent here. Mm-hmm. Hoiberg tangent. Hoiberg tangent without without Hoiberg. Is what well, is one of the things that we've been we've been talking about is that there's risks in carbon markets. We're not against Absolutely. carbon markets. Like, no. There's definitely, that's the one thing I want to be clear on. So for all those evangelical people out there who are, you know, on the Kool-Aid, <laughs> we're not against them. What we're just saying is there are risks. Mm. Everything has a risk. And I think that's the one thing, like, I've got feedback I've got from a whole bunch of people as messages, sort of direct messages, People slipped into my DMs, as the young folks say. Um, I think Martin Murray slipped in my DMs. He was, and uh, but a few people were talking about like they'd been to presentations by people, and they were spruiking how it was easy money, money for nothing, money for jam, and uh, there was no risk. Don't worry, just sign up and move on, and you'll be, you get rid of the cows, you get rid of the grain, just sell carbon. You'll be, you'll be rolling it in. I think that's a lot of fucking bullshit. I mean, I think that's a lot of nonsense. <laughs> nonsense on stilts, I think. is the Nonsense on stilts. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and all we want to do is highlight that farmers have to think about it. Same way, we would say, I think everyone would agree that there's risk when you take out a forward grain contract. There's mm. risks when you take out a forward cattle contract or a forward wool contract. There's risks mm. in all of those. If anyone came into a room and said, oh, there's no risks in taking out a forward grain contract, they'd have glasses thrown at them across the room. Or, or to say, hey, we're going to lock in your forward grain for the next 25 years at this and, price. And there's no risk. <laughs> and there's no risk. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, and we're also at the same time telling you the demand for it is going to grow so high. Well, why would you be selling it if demand's going to increase? Demand's going to increase. Supply's hard, the harder thing to get. Anyway. I'm not going to go but on another rant. The, the net result is that we are putting out a, a bit of a white paper on that. Yeah, we paper just to uh, talk about the wee risks that uh, farmers could face if they uh, enter into uh, carbon markets again. What? The, the accident was nearly going into a whole different... Um... Yeah, it was Dumfries. Was um, it? Was where I'm from. 
sounding nearly Irish. The carbon markets are a wee bit, uh, a wee bit tricky. So, and anyway, on Harmony Day, I'm allowed to mm-hmm. be myself. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we, we are a very diverse team. Mm. That's true. We're probably the most, well, we're not going to say we're the most diverse team in agriculture. Because that would be, again, nonsense. But we're pretty diverse. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. low, so, low social, working class backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either I'll become an analyst or go down the mines for me. Go down the mm-hmm. coal mines until Maggie Thatcher got rid of them. Anyway, we are digressing. So let's leave it at that. I think so. I think uh, and we'll ha- we're definitely going to have some guests uh, next week, I believe. So good one too. Good, uh, very, uh, someone with very strong views on many things. So that'll be a good one to chat with. We don't like strong views. Mm. You know, it's anyway, anyway, I'm not going to say something I was going to say about other podcasts that are basically sales pitches for <laughs> multinational companies, but... <laughs> Glad you didn't, there. I'm glad you didn't say anything. We're going to get sued again or tempted to be sued again from that particular company. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Could, yeah, be, any, so, could be anyone. Could be anyone. Could be, could anyone. be anyone. That's it. All right, well, we'll leave it there. All right. I'll see you, when you've got, see you when you've got nothing on.